Good morning, everyone. My name is Mike DeLuca, and I am the youth pastor here at Mendham Hills. It's truly an honor to be here with you, and I'm excited to look at God's Word with you this morning as we continue our summer series, Say This, Not That. And now, it's funny, the morning of our staff meeting, I was reading a passage of Scripture for my personal devotional time, and then during the meeting, Pastor John tells me what the series is, Say This, Not That, and I think, oh God, you want me to preach on that, don't you? And I was hesitant at first because this text that we're about to read, these words of Jesus are tough words. And so I bring them to you as Jesus' words, not as the words of Mike, but as the word of God. And my prayer this week is that in hearing the words of Jesus, you would find life in Christ. And these words, well, you'll see in a moment, are serious and they're tough. And I I can't convince you of them, only God can. And I hope you get to the end of the message today and go, where I need to change my life, that had nothing to do with a guy standing on a stage, and it had everything to do with the work of God. Because none of us want these words that Jesus said. None of us want to do these things. My flesh wants nothing to do with these things. And they're not attractive, but they are true. And if you take them seriously, they'll lead you to life. So, let's get right to it. We're in Mark chapter 8, beginning in verse 34, and it says this. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and the gospel will save it. This passage today is the prescription for a good death, a death where the old self dies and the life of Christ rises up in its place. That's what Christ invites us to. He invites you to that this morning. The invitation is not come and live, The invitation is come and die. Now, I couldn't put that in the teaser because, well, you would have said, yeah, I think it's a good time to sleep in this one. But think about it. If you and I want resurrection life, how can we have resurrection life unless we die? This is what Christ does in us. He invites us to come and follow him and die to ourselves and find what real life looks like. Now, right before these verses, Jesus teaches his disciples and the crowd that uh, that was there that he was going to die, that the Son of Man must suffer and be rejected. Jesus predicts his own death. And then Peter, a disciple of Jesus, takes Jesus aside and rebukes him. Rebuke meaning disapproving or disagreeing with. Can you imagine trying to rebuke Jesus? Good luck, Peter. Oh, and by the way, right before all that, Peter, the same Peter, declares that Jesus is the Messiah. He's God. It's, it's really fascinating when you read this story. So let's get this straight. Peter declares Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus predicts his own death. And then Peter rebukes Jesus. And then Jesus says this, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. What? Like, that doesn't sound fun. That doesn't sound enjoyable. Jesus, what are you saying there? You're saying that we have to go and be crucified with you? Jesus is saying, no, you have to die. You have to be willing to lose everything. Not even that. You have to lose everything. No, you have to do that. And it goes far beyond just saying no to something you want every once in a while. In fact, Jesus commands, his command involves the impossible task of denying oneself. You have to die. I have to die. Like literally, your very self, you must deny. These words of Jesus are tough words. And when I read these words, I I see a three-part plan. Here's the plan Jesus lays out for you if you want to truly be a disciple, a learner of Christ. Here's how you find resurrection life. It's by doing these three things. You must deny yourself, take up your cross, 
and follow him. As a matter of fact, those three things stand in absolute contrast to the very nature that you and I live our lives out of every single day. Want me to prove it? Watch this. First, deny yourself. This doesn't mean deny your personality. This command addresses our insatiable narcissism. Every one of us from Genesis chapter 3, we are all implanted with a degree of narcissism. Some more than others. Want to do something real fun today? After the service, just Google narcissistic personality disorder, just for fun. And if you really want to have fun, look up the characteristic traits. But don't look at it and think of the other people in your life. I want you to think about it and look at yourself and think of yourself. Look at the areas of your life where your selfishness comes out. Do you feel the weight of Jesus' words yet? Again, Jesus' words, his command to deny yourself is difficult. But think with me for a moment about the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are commandments to tell us to do something we don't want to do. That's generally what rules are. We don't need a rule to eat more ice cream. We already like doing that. Jesus is saying, deny yourself. Why? Because everything you want in life, you go after. Your desires are the barometer and indicator of your heart. Christ is saying, deny those desires that would lead you down the wrong way. So immediately Jesus says, he gives the qualification, if you're going to be my follower, if you want to find true life, the first thing that you need to do is deny yourself. Christianity is about self-denial. And then Jesus goes even further. He says, take up your cross. And he says, not only are you going to have to deny yourself, you're going to have to take up the demonstration of execution. Pick up your electric chair. Pick up and carry that demonstration of execution to learn how to suffer well. And see, this is where so many of us get stuck. Because we sometimes get this confused with the phrase, a cross to bear, meaning acceptance of some burden, some task. This is just my cross to bear. I just have to endure it. But what do I mean? What does Jesus mean by take up your cross? Well, in Jesus' time, the cross was a symbol of opposition, of shame, of, of suffering and death. So in taking up your cross, you are thereby dying to yourself. What I mean is that we need to put down our plans, our desires, our demand to be right, our need to feel successful, important, or significant. Me, that life is all about me. We have to put down and die to all of that. It's much more than just enduring something difficult in your life. It's foregoing what you want and replacing it with living for what God wants. Take up your cross means are you willing to die to yourself to follow Jesus? See, Jesus' death was painful and it was humiliating. Are you willing to embrace the opposition, the shame, the suffering? Are you willing to lose your life? Are you willing to lose the reputation or the glory or the significance? But Jesus' words are so strong that he means not only are you willing, you have to. So part one of the plan, deny yourself. Part two, take up your cross. And then what does Jesus want us to do? Follow him. Sure, if I have any time left after those first two, then I'll try to follow you, God. Well, this strikes the core of what we hold most dear at the highest esteem in the United States of America, and that is personal autonomy. We get to do life our way. Being the youth pastor, I've done a lot of studying on Generation Z, and, and one of the struggles for Gen Zers is that they've been told that they can do anything in their life. You can do anything, you can be anything you want to be, and then we're shocked when we see them crumble when they're told, no, 
We're blown away that they don't know how to handle losing. Why? Because they've been lied to all along. Personal autonomy, following my own way, but now giving up our right to ourselves. So right now, most of you are going, wow, Mike, this is really encouraging. <laughs> and those of you checking out Mendham Hills for the first time are like, okay, you might have to rethink this church next week. But here's the thing. Here's the thing I came to in my college years. My way is not God's way. And God is not a God that I can try to fit into my plans. So see, I had this plan in college, like most of you probably did too, that I was gonna be the coolest kid in school that everyone liked, was charming, easy to get along with, fun, athletic, loves Jesus, never does anything wrong. Let me tell you, God turned my world upside down because I wasn't following him. I was following me. And I had this mentor. And I'll never forget what God taught me through him, this whole dying to self thing. Like, what do you mean dying to yourself? And I remember that semester that I was shook. Something inside of me realized that even though I didn't want to give up control of my life, I realized that if God was God, he wasn't playing. It was either I follow me or I follow God. I follow me by chasing relationships to try to make me feel better about myself. I follow me by seeking approval of others. I follow me by ignoring the call of God on my life. I follow me by giving into the temptations and desires of my flesh what I want. I follow me by saying whatever I want to say. The list goes on and it's easy to follow ourselves. I like following myself. But what does following God mean? It's this, release control. I will never forget the moment because that's when I came face to face with the truth that that life was not about me and until I die to myself, until I follow God, put down what I want and lose my life for Christ, I'd never know what it meant to truly live. And Jesus lays it out for us. If we love him, if we want to be a disciple of Christ, then we have to deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow him. The best example I can think of sharing with you comes from the same book of scripture in Mark chapter 14. Jesus, again, foretells of his own death, and this time, Peter claims that he will not fall away no matter what the cost. Let's see how Peter holds up to Jesus' three-part plan. Remember, deny, take up, follow. Many of you are familiar with the story. Jesus tells Peter that Peter will deny him three times, but then Peter doubles down. He asserts that he will be able to follow the command Jesus gave back in chapter eight. But I want you to note something more. Peter's willingness and confidence is in that he will not follow behind Jesus, but will die with Jesus. Peter says, no, no, Jesus, I'm going to be right there with you. I'm willing to do that too. I'm willing to take up my cross and literally be put to death with you. But remember, what does Jesus' command back in chapter eight really mean? You not only have to be willing, you have to die too, but you can't come with me. Jesus says, you have to follow. Why did Jesus say follow and not come with? Jesus tells Peter to follow because Christ has to be the one to go first. If we know the end of the story, which we do, then we know that Jesus denies himself. He takes up his cross, literally, and he dies. But then on the third day, he rises from the grave Jesus knows that he has to go first. He has to make the way. He is the way and he has to make the way to pioneer a way for us into eternal life. Folks, that's the gospel. And it's a task that Peter can't come with Jesus on. And that's what Jesus tells him. Follow. You can't come with. I have to go first and do this for you. 
So follow. I love what happens next in Mark 14. We get to when Jesus is on trial. We read that when many witnesses came forward to testify against Jesus, but, but they were all false, all unreliable. And I was researching this text, and I learned that according to the Mosaic law, the law of Moses, which the people persecuting Jesus at the time, they would have known and followed it to the T. It said that one can only be executed based upon the testimony of two or three reliable witnesses. So at first, they could not convict Jesus because at Jesus' trial, they were only false witnesses. If you look for it closely, it's there. And then the chief priest, if you notice, he'll change tactics. He goes to ask Jesus directly, are you the son? Are you Christ, the son of the blessed one? To which Jesus replies, I am. Jesus testified against himself. He just denied himself. Do you, do you see that? He seals his own condemnation. Jesus fulfills his own words. He's denying himself. He's about to lose his life. He follows his own three-part plan. In contrast, we go to Peter. We see several legitimate witnesses claim Peter is a follower of Christ. Yet, each time, Peter both verbally and physically further distances himself from Jesus. He moves away physically and he says, no, I don't know him. Peter even swears a binding oath that he does not know Jesus. But the crowd of people accuse Peter and identify him as a Galilean. But how could they have known that? It was by Peter's accent. So literally, the more Peter spoke, the more he was condemning himself. The more he tried to save his life, the more he was losing it. He wasn't following Jesus' plan that Jesus laid out for us. So back to Mark 8. Right after Jesus gives us his plan, he then goes on to say, those who save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for my sake, for the gospel's sake, will save it. So now we're completely confused because our idea was that we have to create this life. We have to do this great life and honor God with our life. And God's going, no, 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 no. I don't want that life, the life that you give me. I want the life that I can give you. Well, what does it mean if you save your life, you'll lose it? It's the exact opposite of what we just talked about. Instead of denying yourself, build yourself up. Make it about you. Instead of taking up your cross, instead of leaning into the opposition, shame, suffering, and death, lean into acceptance, glory, comfort, and your own safety. Instead of following you, Lee, do things your way. Save your life. What does Jesus say here that will happen? If you try to save it, you will lose it. But if you lose it, for me and the Gospels, you'll truly gain it. Jesus' three-part plan. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Follow me. These words are strong. They're harsh. But understand, these words are primarily written to people outside of the United States of America, outside the West. Because in the United States of America, it's still okay to be Christian. In other parts of the world, if you convert to Christianity, your property can be seized, you can be disowned by your family, you can be put to death. So these words of Jesus are really, really clear. But nobody wants to be made a laughingstock. Nobody wants to be opposed. You and I don't want to feel the shame. I don't want to suffer. Nobody wants to die. We want to be, right, accepted. We want the glory. I want the comfort. I want to feel safe. I surely want to belong. We want people to think well of us. Even me as a young pastor, 
When my wife and I, we, when we meet new people, and she tells them she's a graphic designer, and they're all like, oh, well, that's cool. And then they ask me, or, or maybe sometimes she'll tell them, I'm a pastor, and, and their eyebrows go up, and they go, oh, wow, well, good for you. <laughs> they don't know what to do with that, and we'll have a nice chat and eventually move on to different topics. So with them, it's okay. But what about when following Jesus costs you friends or costs you family? cost you the prestige or public opinion. What about that? Nobody wants to be laughed at or made fun of. I, I remember in middle school being teased for actually looking forward to going to church and being called Bible boy. I remember. <laughs> and I think it's interesting for us to note that one of the biggest things in all of our human nature is that we want to belong. We want to be accepted. And on many levels, This text says, either you belong to me, God, or you belong to the world. Jesus' words on this are clear. It's not gray. There's no gray area. It doesn't mean that you'll be the laughingstock of the world or your school or your family or be called Bible boy, but it does mean that if you are, it wouldn't matter any different to you. I I think some of the real tests of the Christian faith is that we care less and think less about what other people think of us. We just are who we are. This text is so tough that I want to try to bring it home to you in a way that you can really grab hold of it. And so I've enlisted the help of another minister. He's a scholar, he's a theologian, and his name is Eugene Peterson, and he wrote a paraphrase of scripture called The Message. Maybe some of you are familiar with it. This is what the message says for this text in the Gospel of Mark. Calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, anyone who intends to come with me has, let, has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way my way to saving yourself, your true self. What good would it do to get everything you want and lose you, the real you? Now, I would love for Christianity to be cool and look sexy. This movement, this faith in Jesus seems like it will always be a marginal movement. Why? Because it's too hard. It requires too much. And let me tell you, folks, that's the point. Jesus knew that when he responded to Peter. There was a man named, by the name of Jim Elliot. Some of you know this story. And if you don't, I encourage you to go look it up today. It was discovered a few years after his death that he kept a journal. And in his journal are these profound words that I hope make you think today about your life, about what you're investing your time, your treasure and talents in. He wrote these words. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. He's no fool. To give freely away that which he cannot keep, to gain that which he can't lose. Church, this is the call. This isn't about being a missionary or a pastor. This is the call to you and me as followers of Jesus Christ. There is no distinction. You don't sit there wherever you are and say, well, you do that, pastor. No, you are called to that. My job is to equip you to do that. That's why I exist. I exist to help you become the follower of Christ that you were always meant to be. 
so that you might be someone who goes to the ends of the earth, whether it's in your workplace or the supermarket or your school, in your neighborhood, in your family, so that other people might see Jesus Christ manifest in your life. This text demands a response and leaves us with a painful question today. Are you ready? Who am I living for? Who are you living for? Are we living for ourselves? Am I living for me? Am I living for my spouse, for, my ch- for children, for my job, for a career? Am I living for my parents to please them? Because if you're living for any of those things, you're living for a good reason, but not the real reason. Christ is the reason for life. He is the one that can help you find life as you give your life away to him. How? By following the plan Jesus laid out for you. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. I want to ask you to let this question marinate in your mind today and this week. When you think about the life that you envision, the life that you want, uh, maybe a year down the road, five years down the road, 10 years down the road, when you think about that life, is it really about Christ? Or is it about you? Is it what you've dreamed up or conjured up? Or is it what he would choose for you? He is no fool who freely gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Let's give away who we are, the very best of who we are, for the cause of Christ. Mendham, don't gain your life. Lose it. Because if you do, you won't lose it. You'll gain it.